Hello, everyone. This is a new episode of the China Manufacturing Decoded podcast. This is Renan here from Southeast, and today we are doing an episode on the challenges of quality management in China. And I have a guest here, a returning guest,、uh, Clive Greenwood, who's been on the podcast quite a few times to discuss compliance topic and、uh, topics and and and,、uh, and and quality related topics. Hello, Clive. Do you want to give us a short intro so the listeners, maybe who haven't listened yeah,、sure. to you in the past, know a little bit? Yeah, sure.、Uh, well,、uh, hello, good morning, everybody, or good evening, depending on the world, wherever you are. I'm Clive Greenwood. I'm the senior compliance officer for SMC Global. I work predominantly in heavily regulated industries such as medical devices, automotive, sometimes in. Electronics, shall we call it, as a basic terminology. Normally, if you've seen me on here before, I'm the voice of doom and gloom. But today, I'm feeling quite chirpy. So, <laughs> this is a good time to record a, a podcast <laughs> without without sounding too uh, too uh, yeah too gloomy. Yeah. All right. So yeah, t- today is a、um, podcast,、uh, and I guess a lot of people who who listen to it will be like. Yeah, 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 right. So it's not just about hitting on China, just saying bad things about Chinese people and so on, right? But it's it's also about warning. Okay, if you come from a different culture, this is the kind of things that you will you will experience, and then you know, sort of, this is how you 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 get around it, right? It's not just about saying bad things, you know, bad mouthing a, a country or or its culture. China is is famous for doing things big. For doing things very fast, you know, some of their companies have risen to to being global leaders and technological leaders, especially、uh, relatively fast, by hook or by crook, as we would say. But、uh, these days, it's it's really transitioning more to、uh, you know themselves having their own R and D teams and labs and doing a lot of the hard work themselves, and really being world leaders. In some industries, right? So things have been changing. There's the old China and there's the, the new China, right? And there's still an overlap of both of them, which is interesting, right? So again, we're just we're not just going to say bad things, just just bad mouth the the country. But still, what we're trying to do is for people who are trying to manufacture product、uh, in China at consistent quality and and deliver products,、uh, you know, that are reliable, that are Fully compliant, that, that that were made without cutting any corners, that are satisfactory to the users, and that are you know fully、uh, conform to specifications. Well, there are challenges, and they need to know about it. Okay, let's let's look at what is the root cause of this problem. And what I believe is that there is two competing cultural views here. The first one is that the buyers often. Don't tell the suppliers what they really want. They don't give them the information because they think it's going to be copied. And secondly, the suppliers won't tell you. They、right. may okay, know,、so、but you... they won't tell you. And、yeah. you know, if if you do an investigation into the supply chain, they won't tell you. So you've got a buyer that's not saying anything, and the supplier that won't tell. You've got a recipe for disaster. Okay, so you yeah you you're going straight for maybe the biggest、uh, the biggest source of quality issues here. Yes, 
improper and, and uh, yeah, improper communication, basically. Fully agree. Fully agree. So there's on the buyer side, and it's, it's I think you did right. You know, it, it comes from the buyer, it comes from the supplier. And maybe uh, let's not try to assign, you know, 70% of blame to this party and 50% of blame to that party and so on, right? But a lot of buyers come, come to China like it's a supermarket and they're saying they can just pick something and say, I want this. And they would just pay and maybe wait for delivery, like like it's Amazon, I should say, right? Mm-hmm. And and that is that is an enormous problem. Okay, um, they don't specify what they want. They, they 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 expect a lot of things that are that may not be true. They pick a sample maybe that the manufacturer you know has in their sample room but has never made actually <laughs> comes from somewhere else and then they're gonna have yeah. to try to figure out how to make it or to, to subcontract it or who can make it and where's the tooling oh we don't know <laughs> what yeah. kinds of things and, and like most that. of the time and most of the time they're asking the buyer to pay up 50 percent up front anyway in these cases especially right right yeah, yeah. so they the the supplier wants to get the money okay that's the incentive obviously you go to a a manufacturer, they they want to get things going. They want to get the payment, so they, they're not going to start to ask a lot of questions. Okay, like when someone comes to us, you know, first we ask a ton of questions, and we give them a, a long questionnaire. You know, you know, the, setting up the, the product requirements first. Otherwise, nothing can be done. You know, what kind of product is it? What does it do? What kind of use case? What kind of users? Uh, you know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. What if this happens to the product? What if that happens? Um, you know, and so on and so forth. Chinese, the typical Chinese supplier, I'm not saying all of them, obviously, but the typical average Chinese supplier will say, okay, okay, no problem. And then they will yeah. tend to work on the basis of samples. Okay, make a prototype, send it to you. You you say, okay, it means that as long as it's generally consistent with that physical, tangible sample it's okay (laughs) but for the buyer it means something else it means Mm -hmm. okay it's got to be compliant with the market where it's going to be sold it's going to be consistently made exactly the same way with the same finishing and 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 no um no quality issues etc etc it's going to function all of them are going to function well maybe they're going to have a five-year life and so on but they don't tell the, the 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 supplier this is what what you mean by the buyer doesn't communicate right and maybe the buyer doesn't doesn't want to say you know where it's going to be sold how it's going to be used as you mentioned because they're afraid the chinese the chinese side may um, invite themselves on their market yeah well okay let's look at something which is often not really understood and that is something which is called the duty of notification okay now we, as in a Western company, shall we say, okay, would expect that the supplier understands his duty of notification. Now, this concept just simply does not exist here. It is not part of the business culture. I may mm. know that this isn't going to work, but I'm not going to tell you because I just want the money. All right. Yeah. There is also, on the other side of this, the duty of notification also if you're buying from a person you should tell them exactly what they should meet yeah goes both ways obviously yeah, yeah. goes both ways yeah 
we're expecting it one way, but we're not prepared to give it the other way. This is not right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there is a concept here which is trust, and that trust is: do you trust your supplier? Mm-hmm. Simple fact: yes or no. Now, if the answer is no, then you shouldn't be doing business with them. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's got to be a basic level of trust, and there's, there's got to be. be. Uh, a, a basic level of openness to this is the product, this is how it's going to be used, this is where it's going to be sold, ta 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 ta. And obviously, with with proper non-use, non-circumvention agreements, and you know, and and, and so on and so forth, uh, in place, it's not sufficient, but it's 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 necessary, right? Uh, but you you need to write to to work with. That's what we 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 often tell our clients yeah look at the business model of the supplier if the business model of the supplier is to accumulate a number of products and then pretend or claim that they own the ip the intellectual property rights to these products and resell them to various buyers that's much much riskier for you, the buyer, right? Then if they are a pure contract manufacturer and say, oh, no, we don't have any products, just work with different companies on different products, is their products, and we don't have, sorry, we don't even have a showroom, you know. So let's talk about our capabilities, you know, come and visit the factory, but don't look at the showroom, right? So these are two opposite kind of manufacturers. And if you work with one, your risk profile is going to be very different from the other one. Have you observed that also? Yeah, yes, yeah, um, multiple times. For me, you must do an SQM. You must do an investigation. Uh, you know, I, I would say you got to start your due diligence on a supplier a long time before you actually phone them. Yeah, you should be, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But within that, you must have a strategy for qualification. That strategy for qualification must be more than simple certificates on a wall. Of course, you need to um, scratch below the surface a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and you need to you need to, to, to send someone on site. I mean, usually that's what it ends up, you know, being. You can, you can check their legal records. There's a number of companies can help with, you know, gathering a little bit of information and, and interpreting them, including lawyers and so on, mm-hmm. uh, but also... If you don't actually have someone go on site and check, okay, what kind of company is this? What kind of processes do they have in house? Do they actually have a quality system? And then is it actually consistent with the needs that we have in terms of quantity, in terms of, you know, quality level, in, com- in terms of maybe experience with different kinds of regulations? What is the maturity yeah. of the quality management system? What is their ability to develop a new product in a structured way uh you know for our industry i mean this is people just gloss over that and yeah uh, remember when we used to remember in days of old you know when kings were kings and knights were bold we had two words capability and capacity those were the two watchwords yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Capability, basically, uh, yeah, qu- qu- quality, right? So, capability is the capability of the processes to to deliver consistently good parts. Yeah, that's right. 
and capacity. Yeah, if if you're going to place large orders, you can't work with a tiny manufacturer because they will be forced to subcontract and you know to farm your orders out here and there. And um, we which see some. A lot. Oh, which happened? Which is endemic in China. And let's say this way. Yeah. And we we see some big retailers, you know, such as Walmart, probably yeah, the most prominent one, actually forcing their importers. If you're going to have production in a factory, that's fine. Okay, first it needs to be audited for social compliance and things like that. But also, you need to have someone in the country to keep watching. You need to have a capacity plan, uh, you know, to see if the lead time is going to be sufficient. Uh, there's going to be no subcontracting. You're going to be monitoring what happens, and in the end, you're going to be responsible for for the quality that they deliver. And if it's no good, we don't pay you. Okay, that's the Walmart approach boiled down in a few sentences they're very happy to rely on a number of of middlemen to to take all these risks and do all this oversight and so on uh they also obviously manage a lot of direct orders i would suggest that walmart's business model is to find as many levels of installation of liability that they can find there's a lot of that yeah there's a lot of that so for a small small company right there's basically two types of situations if you really boil it down right either you develop your own product you own your own products and in that case you need to go deep you need to you know you're going to sort of be married to the manufacturer because if you need to redevelop it to with another manufacturer yeah it might be the same product but you still have a lot of work to do and, and so on right so you, re- you need to find someone for the long run you need to do a lot of due diligence if you're going to just come and pick like Amazon, oh, I like this SKU, I like this SKU, the price is okay, the price is okay, the lead time is okay, let's sign a deal, I send you some money, you make it, you ship it to me. That is a very different approach and 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 a lot of companies do that, but very often the margin doesn't even support proper due diligence and proper monitoring of production. And that's where a lot of the... A lot of the well, disasters. All of this falls down. This falls down. Yeah, yeah. You see, yeah, because well, they're just they're just a distributor, also in the eyes of the yeah. manufacturer. Yeah, the way that you've got to think about this is okay. If we, if we look at about strategic long term direction, if you're if you're if you're buying products from China, you should have a strategic long term plan, and that plan should be. Uh, consistent between the supplier and the buyer. There's no point in, in in trying to build a strategic relationship with a company that expects to be sold in in six months' time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, if your strategic plan is to buy it cheap, then you deserve everything that you get. But from my point of view, I have no time for people that their first question is how much. Yeah. That that type of buyer. I won't even represent you. I won't even go and do a plan for you. This is what's wrong. You've got people that are buying cheap and then complaining when the quality is not right because they haven't told them what the quality should be because then the, then the manufacturer would put the price up. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is that some companies are more driven by purchasers and accountants. Some other companies are driven more by engineers and, and, and the quality people, right? And to get back to what I was mentioning before, very often the companies that want to buy an existing product, sort of shopping on Amazon, 
will tend to be driven by purchasers and accountants. Very often, there's if it's small companies, there's nobody in quality, nobody in engineering. The companies that develop their own products will tend to be driven more from the engineering and quality side. And from there, we can see clearly there's two groups of buyers. And yeah, uh, to, to get back to what you mentioned before, the companies that are looking for something cheap, that are looking for something already existing, that don't spend the time to explain to the to the, the supplier what they want, but these ones are much more likely to be in trouble, right? So that's the buyer side, okay? Now, you mentioned also, obviously, the supplier doesn't want to open up, doesn't want to help the customer maybe uh, do a better job of specifying, uh, you know, what the product should be like. Don't want to offer transparency into the supply chain, right? So how does this impact quality? (laughs) Well, I don't see how you can maintain reliability and quality without a full investigation of the capacity and capability of that company. A part of that part of that due diligence would be looking at their, their supply chain. If you cannot do that, it should be a massive red flag. Yeah. You should yeah. be saying you should be saying to yourself, our strategic obligation and our strategic direction do not meet. Right. <laughs> yeah, proper proper due diligence. Let let's say, I don't know, a simple consumer electronic product. Okay. Well, looking at it, you know, very often there's some critical components, right? The yeah. PCBA, the battery, maybe the plastic housing is custom designed. So yeah, that's important. Um, maybe the display, right? There's a few a few critical components. But then if these function, maybe they do PCBA internally, but then all the rest comes from suppliers. Well, it's very very important for the for, for the customer to know. Where do these components come from? And and yeah, very often it does involve actually sending an auditor to the companies that manufacture these components because then you can say, okay, big risk here, here, medium risk here, 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 here. The rest is mostly small risk. So you know where, you know, you, you can make a decision, go or no go with this supplier. And also you know where to monitor because you yeah. have an idea where the risk is going to be, right? Um, so let, let me let me give you some let me give you a, a classic example here, which which I've literally just just gone through. There are companies in, shall we say, the Guandon area, where they have picking lists, depending on volume. So if you've got a high volume, you will tend to get the good product. If you have low volume you get the ones which are left after the first pick or the second pick or the third pick. Now, if that's the case, how in God's name are you going to guarantee your quality? Yeah. Are are you a good customer, basically in the eyes of that supplier, right? If you don't, if you don't ensure that, then you're going to have a second choice or third choice project manager, uh, et cetera, cetera, quality engineer. and, And maybe even, yeah, the components and so on, you're going to have sort of the leftovers, if I may say that. Mm, that, Yeah. That is for sure. I I, I myself have just, have just actually gone through that and actually stopped that happening uh, with a client of mine who was actually getting (laughs) third and fourth pick and wondering why his quality, the defect rates were all over the place. 
in part that was I guess because they had not specified exactly how to do it and they were not controlling as close to the source as possible right yeah yeah okay now we put we put in within the sqm and the, and the qualification period the qualification processes the fact that there is clear definitive measurable standards of performance that these products must meet and they must be verified validated all the time mm -hmm. every mm -hmm. time mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. otherwise the whole thing gets ship, shipped back you don't we don't want it the the problem here that many many people uh, come across is that there is always this rush to get the products instead of the thought of shall i call it they will put it right over the air mentality <laughs> you're thinking about tesla and these kinds of companies uh, it's not yeah, really a problem I'm... we'll fix it after we'll fix it after yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I myself obviously as a compliance officer I, I just cannot hold with that to me it is you know that it's the same as playing russian roulette with six bullets in the gun yeah the the, yeah. the result yeah, is yeah. going to be the same no matter what you do i mean you know the most famous saying of quality people is einstein's most profound law to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result is the height of stupidity yeah there is evidence mm -hmm. yeah there there is more evidence than you can say where people have just not done their due diligence uh, but expected the chinese supplier to tell them where it it's wrong right it, right 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 it is a it is a, it is a, a divergence of of business culture exactly they expect the suppliers to tell them what's wrong but the supplier is thinking hey where's my money i just want to go into mass production fast i yeah. don't want you to keep tweaking your product right because then you're going to keep asking me questions i'm going to have to keep doing some free work and and then who knows when it goes into production no 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 i want you to be in the mood that the product is good you're confident and you go ahead and you send the money right and we move the product ship it out to you and that's the last that we hear and and next time we hear about you it's for another order right that's their incentive seriously as a buyer you are setting the incentive that way but you're expecting them to be acting like you know professional advisors there's a disconnect Right, there's a big disconnect, and as you mentioned, yes, in in Chinese culture, the the duty to inform and and so on and so forth, it doesn't really exist. So yeah, this is a very very dangerous um, very dangerous area. You've also got to go on to another topic that we have on the list today, is this idea of the concept of separation of powers. You may be talking to the quality guy. Uh, you know, you you may have your quality guy and their quality guy talking on a daily basis and agreeing that this is how it should be, but then the Chinese boss says, "No, that costs too much money. Do it this way," and don't tell them. And don't tell them. So, yeah, your entire quality system has to have something or a structure and a mechanism within that 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 really just does not allow that to happen in China. Yeah, so it, it's is always right. Doesn't work like that. 
doesn't work, work that way. way. Yeah. yeah. That and way. It, it comes from political systems. I mean, the British political system, you know, is the first, uh, the first one that, that really combined a government that, that's accountable to the people, a professional government and, and, and so on and so forth, you know, including the separation of power, right? And in China, <laughs> it's never been like that. The, I, I, don't think I, would been... <laughs> I don't think well, I would own up the British the British political system as any shining uh shining castle on a hill by any stretch of the imagination at the moment. But no, at the moment for sure, for sure. But yeah, you know, if you look you at are looking, uh, okay, the book what you're talking about there Fukuyama is the, Mag- the yeah. Magna Carta. You're talking about the Magna Carta where, where where the king is a constitutional king. And has no real power. Now, now if you believe that, um... <laughs> yeah. So but anyway, but the, but um, my, my point was more that there's this um, at least an ideal, right? That's in many people's minds, uh, you know, in Europe, in in North America, and so on. But it's never been really present in the Chinese political system. It was always about having a very strong government that will decide, right? And in Chinese companies, they also have this concept that there's a strong leader who will make the shots, will decide. We say, no, that's the way we do, that's the way we do. And who is going to stand up to this strong leader? Not his staff. That just doesn't happen. Say, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that doesn't I mean, happen. The bad, right. If you if you talk to any Chinese company, uh, 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 both yourself and myself, we have both done many audits on companies, and the 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 word which you seldom hear is the word no. <laughs> okay, yeah. this is where you get into the the problem. Okay, this is where. You know, this idea of, of don't say it, and it's almost like, you know, don't ask, don't tell, because this is what we're looking at. It's the same sort of concept here. The guys that you send into a company to do an audit, first of all, must know what they're looking for. You can't have someone with six months' experience and a brand-new shiny certificate to go into a company and sit down with a Laobang who thinks he's God and question him. Yeah, that's not going to go well. That's not going to go well. It's just not going to happen. Hmm. So, you know, it's if you're going to use auditors, have auditors with, you know, I would say more than 10 years experience in manufacturing, if it's a manufacturing audit. Someone actually can go and walk into that factory and see and know when things are wrong. Not just look at the nice shiny pictures on the wall and say, oh, yeah, look, look yes, yes, they do this and Okay, oh, yes, they, they have a ISO 9001 certificate. You know, that's tick box. Yes, they've got the certificate. Right, now, right, right. they may have bought right. that certificate on Taobao. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of t- tick box auditors. Do they have this paperwork? Yes. Do they have this paperwork? Yes. And that, that, that comes, that brings us to another point on our, our list is, you know, formalities over substance, right? Let's let's get the paperwork done, and that's going to be enough, sort of, right? And there's a lot of lot of companies do 
their uh, due diligence and so on, actually by following this principle, right? Because it's so prevalent in China and it's, it's more convenient, it's easier. And the Chinese side will pay attention to it and they will say, oh, here's this, this, this document, right? So, oh, okay, great, I'm going to look at it and uh, okay, that, that, that's good. Uh, let's go ahead. That's very risky, very risky, right? The old saying, BS baffles brains. Yeah, yeah. At so work every, every day, yeah. Every day, yeah. So if you're, if you're sending an auditor, have someone with manage, manage, management experience, seniority, knowledge on the subject, and knowledge about manufacturing. Now, that might not be one person. That might be three people from certain areas yeah because i mean i believe that if you're doing a a, a a potential manufacturing audit you need people from finance looking there you need people from quality looking there you need people from manufacturing looking there so in other words you have a supplier quality management team people that can actually go in there and ask the hard questions and if they get stonewalled, then you have the senior guy there that goes and sits down with the Lao Bank and says, you will answer this or you will not get the order. Someone who goes up and says, hey, we're getting blocked here. This is no good. Uh, you cannot pass this audit and get the business if, if people keep stonewalling. Yeah, right. Yes. Now, this yeah. is for let, let's clarify things for some of the auditors. This kind of audit, you know, is going to like thousands of dollars that's pretty obvious right uh and you need to build that budget in your due diligence if you go with the more standard you know quick look kind of audits you're not going to get that it's going to be very specific about this part of the system and you're going to get a, a snapshot of that and that that that's a starting point it might be a first screening okay i would yeah. not say that this is totally useless i would say very often push the clients to say hey start with this is just like initial evaluation or something to have a picture about it and already just with this snapshot the photos of the organization the, you know is it a mess is it organized what kind of things do they have in house and so on you already have a first way of screening out you know you do it on three different companies you can already screen out two of them probably and then but then you go more in depth on the last one right then it comes down to more in-depth due diligence on site, but not only on site, as you mentioned, but also the, the key suppliers, if they open up. And that, that should be one of the questions you ask at the very beginning when you, when you, yeah. you are, you're doing sourcing, you, you meet a potential customer, a potential supplier. Then you say, Hey, okay, but here I see three critical components. Are they made in-house? Can we see the, the, the processes and everything when we come to your factory? No? Okay. Are you going to be open to, to this? You know, can we audit the manufacturers? Because if not, that's an, an unbearable amount of risk. We're not going to give you orders if we don't know if these places are properly managed. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at it in the way that we've, we've spoke on other podcasts and when we look at what the European requirements are going to be if there is no traceability in that in in that product you're not going to be selling it yeah there is got to be a realization okay there needs to be a point somewhere within this blob of a supply chain what people try to call as a managed supply chain which is far from managed to a sense of reality 
Okay, there is total chaos. If you are if you are buying from China and you don't have people with eager eyes looking over people's shoulders, there is a risk growth like this that something is going to get through. And that something is going to end up costing you a lot more than what it did to have a proper auditor go there. Yes, you have to also, from the very start, think of compliance requirements, obviously, and, and see, okay, is this manufacturer going to be supporting or are they going to be hindering? Uh, and if, for example, you want to sell to the EU and you look at the upcoming uh, eco-design regulation for sustainable products, I think that's the entire name, uh, you, you, you need them to offer you the level of transparency in the supply chain that you need. Otherwise, you know that this manufacturer will just be a pain and your product at one point will not all be compliant. Uh, that, that's and, a rather... And could put, uh, you, in legal, and could put you in legal jeopardy. Yes. It's not just a risk of the product's going to be bad and it's going to give us a bad name and we could, we could have problems. We could end up in court. Yes, right. right, okay. right. And all of that, because of the lack of transparency, and I think that's another key challenges in China for not not just quality management obviously right it, it's it's a huge problem for compliance management it's a it's a big problem for the purchasers just to have an idea about hey why are you raising your, your your prices like this and how can I counter that but I don't even know what goes into the product so I can't really counter it right it's, it's a challenge at, at many levels for the for the buyers but why if we step back, why are Chinese companies trying to hide their supply chain so much more than, say, an American company? Like, it doesn't mean that American companies will be totally transparent about where they buy the materials and so on. But, but there's a difference. There's much more effort in China at hiding what really is going on, right? At saying, Stops with me, you buy from me, you don't see what's happening behind, right? Yeah. This is a black box. Yeah. Um, I suppose the answer to that is one of trust. In big companies, for example, in China, no one buyer will have a total view of where everything is bought from. You may have a buyer that buys PCBAs and no idea where he buys LCDs from. This concept of a, of, a, of, a, of a supply chain management is like not there. That's right. So That's right. And then you, you introduce an ERP because the boss wants to have transparency over you know, how much they're paying for everything to catch where the purchasers are getting the, 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 the payback, right? The That's another topic, but it's related. It's part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the problem, yeah. So, um, you know, you, you have a – okay – your quality management system must address that, which means that when you do the audit, you must see that there is actually a working quality system, not just they got the certificate. Obviously. Same goes for the same goes for product qualifications as well. You know as well as I do that the only thing you need to do is send twelve samples to the certifying body. Doesn't mean whatsoever that it's going to be made the same way it may not actually and probably not even that this chinese manufacturer actually made these samples that have gone for testing 
Yeah, people rely way too much on lab test reports and certificates and things like that. But it has to be accompanied with monitoring of what actually happens and how the different productions are, are actually made. Yeah, but the buyers in the European buyers don't understand this. They think that, wow, that's a certified product. Well, if you read the bottom line on all of these test reports, okay, the test report represents the samples of tested at this specific time. It doesn't say anything about, you know, it just means that they tested 12 and everything was fine. It doesn't mean that the 112th is going to be the same. It's a snapshot. Right now, I see this product. Look, yeah, it passes that that standard. Period. Yep. Up to Period. you to make your your, your judgment. Yeah, it's a right. Yeah. yeah. Is it going to so, be consistently the same? You got to watch. That's right, and it's up to you to actually have the either the confidence in your supplier that they are going to be truthful, honest, and transparent. Or you put somebody in there who's a pain in the ass to make sure that it is. Choice. Right. It depends on how much you value your own product. Yeah, right, right, right. Let's go into an, another challenge. So you mentioned before some buyers are just looking for cheap, cheap products, right? Cheap product, cheap product. And when Chinese suppliers hear that and they see, oh, this customer is negotiating the price. They want low price or maybe something else, or they want it very fast, right? It's got to be fast. It's got to be fast. I noticed many times they do this at the expense of quality. So maybe they will, they will buy substandard pro- uh, materials. Maybe they will just rush it through assembly, fail to test it, uh, do a really bad job. And then you point it to them, but they have a comeback. They say, yeah, but you told us to rush. Or, yeah, but look, the price is low. You can't expect very high quality, do you? you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and to them, and from, from what I read also in the eyes of a Chinese judge in, in, a, in, a, in a court of justice here, it just doesn't work that way, right? And I'm sure you've heard that many, many times also, right? Yeah, the, 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 the thing is that it depends on whether or not you believe in the fourth and fifth dimension. Cheap, fast, and quality do not belong in the same dimension. Exactly, yeah. The, the right. quality standard is the quality standard and is independent of all of that, right? That's the yeah. way the buyer should, should keep emphasizing, hey, we discussed these other things, but the quality standard is not changing, and that's the way we're going to validate that you did a good job or not. Mm-hmm. Now, cheap and quality, okay. Like I said, they don't belong on the same dimension, but you've also got the cheap, fast, and now. All right? So if you're yeah. buying a product from China, you've got to think months, not weeks. Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking of days, then you're just asking for it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. Pro- promotional products, right? That's that's like the worst. Yeah. And they say yeah. it's got to be delivered in whatever in Munich on that day 
It needs to be available for that specific event. And, oh, yeah, the logo should be that color, that Pantone code. And, uh, yeah, well, and it's got to be cheap. And it's like a giveaway, so it's got to be cheap. Quality, yeah, just make sure the logo is the right color. You know, if it doesn't work, they will pick another one because it's free anyway, right? So in that case, you're asking for it. You're asking for tremendously poor quality. And you might be okay with it, okay? But but if you buy if you buy products, I don't know, uh, uh, vacuum cleaners, and you're gonna you're gonna sell them, and you're gonna it's gonna be on Amazon, so you know bad reviews and returns and everything are gonna are gonna hurt you. Well, you're gonna even gonna get kicked out of Amazon because there's gonna be too many because Amazon because Amazon now carries a liability as well. Um, if it's yeah, if it's non-compliant, Amazon will not even let you list it. Yeah, and if you if you offer a warranty, you'll just go out of business because you yeah. picked a product that uh, most likely a product that already exists that you you saw in the showroom that might not ever have been produced in the past. You don't know. You don't know. Most of the time, you don't know, and some of the components might be uh you know overrated and and uh, you know some of the some of the parts might break too easily or whatever fakes copies second third fourth fifth hand oh, yeah. yeah it might be might be a product they're making for uh, for for one of your competitors and that competitor is going to sue you <laughs> and you're going to say oh but is the chinese supplier's product yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's no, not. No. It's not. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like we said at the start here, or like I said at the start here, it is, it is the, you know, don't ask, don't tell. Um, this is the most important thing which we must be able to get over to people listening to this. You must specify what you want clearly, definitively, and then you must monitor that. And you must monitor that the supplier will be transparent with you. If not, then you've got the cheap model. So if you yep. have, if you value your own brand and you value your own products, I don't see any other way than having a constant validation process in place and overseen. Now, Let's look at the thorny issue of end of line inspection or what, what they tend to call pre-packaging or pre-shipment inspection. The worth of that is not quite zero, but it is not so far higher than zero. Because the, line, the, the last line of defense, right? But if that's the only line of defense, then you're... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Remember, you cannot inspect in quality. It must be designed in quality. Yeah. Oh, inspect it out. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to happen. Oh, it's extremely no, expensive. I mean, sometimes, like last month, we did a uh, 100% inspection job sorting, basically. Yeah. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But that's that's the last line of defense. That's that's because all other 
preventive mechanisms be before that completely failed. Have been ignored. And it's even worse if you don't even catch it before shipment and you get the products, you've paid the supplier in full. Yeah. They're not going to reproduce for free. You know, uh, even worse, you already shipped it out and then you get a bunch of returns and you know, warranty calls and things. Yeah. yeah. So and then you could be faced then with, with total product recalls if they don't meet safety requirements, for example. Yes, if there are safety uh, issues. Yes, definitely. We're getting to the end of the podcast. So let me ask you the last kind of challenge I, I, I kept aside is risk thinking. My favorite subjects, right now. My favorite yeah. subject. Chinese manufacturers are not going to tell you, okay, this, 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 and these are huge sources of risk in your product, right? Yeah. Again, as it's I mentioned before, yeah, their their incentive is just to produce, to to buy the components, put it together, ship it to you, you know, get paid, and then on to the next PO. That's their job. That's the incentive, right? Who is going to think of risk? And why is it so hard sometimes for Chinese suppliers to to get on with, with that kind of program, to, you know, analyze risk and, you know, uh, detect them, rate them, prioritize them, and actually ask on, you know, act on them and keep following up and keep acting on them, right? This is like pulling teeth out of, most of these manufacturers. Because it Isn't comes it? down to the willingness to accept the truth. Okay. So they want okay. to... They don't they want, want to, to know. the customer happy or they want to... They don't no, want they, to don't want to, they don't want to know what the problems are. If you know what the problems are, then you have to ask questions. Chinese culture is not to ask questions. Yeah. yeah. Chinese culture is the boss knows everything. Yeah. The boss is going to just tell us what to do. But then... The, the boss obviously has his own priorities, and hey, you know what? It's three p.m. and um, I gotta go. And, and this supplier is coming to drink tea, and then after that, he's gonna take me out to have a good dinner and have a good party. And you know, I'll think mm -hmm. about that tomorrow. Uh, and I, yeah. I got to chase this customer for payment. I got to keep this customer happy. I got, I got to to hurry up to get this payment. I'm not gonna delay things again. On with the incentives of mass production not stopping things and going through a structured uh, set of, um, you know, go-no-go -go gates, validation and verifications. Yeah, yeah. You don't want Evaluation, that. Validation is something which is sort of like, okay, the, the, the evaluation is done in a karaoke and the validation is done sometime later. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, right. yeah. No, I mean, you know, to give you some, uh, if you like, trick of the trade or something that I always do when I do an audit is I ask if I go to the shop floor and I talk to people and I say, do you have the power to stop production? Right. Now, then. Very seldom. Very seldom, right? Yeah. And the, the simple question, the simple answer to that is if the answer is no, then they do not have a working quality system. If the answer is yes, I do, I can do this, and it's wrote here in the SOP, the chances are they do have a quality system that's working. The simple question well, which can uncover yeah. the real situation in a company. Or, or what is the escalation system, right? Maybe this, they might yeah. say, well, I'm just the team leader here. 
I myself I cannot stop it, but this is the escalation. If I see that many types of a certain defect in you know in in a row on the same shift, then I need to I pull them aside first. They're visible because they're in like red boxes or something, and yeah, then I, I call the supervisor. Yeah, right. I isolate them. I go look at the root cause if possible, if it's in the area or the, the, the upstream process. I tell the supervisor and the quality people, they come. And then if it keeps coming, then the supervisor will talk with the quality, with the production manager or whatever. Or it goes up to the quality manager who will say stop. Or There's got to be some kind of escalation, right? But, I mean, even in Toyota, it's not like they can stop it forever, right? But they pull the cord... <laughs> Beep, 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 beep. You know, the, the other guys come yeah. running and then they have a little bit of a buffer. So it actually doesn't stop the whole chain. They have a little bit of inventory buffer. So, you know, if it's fixed within, I don't know, one or two minutes, no impact actually on the, the production of that day. But then if it's still not fixed, some other guys come running and then they might really stop it, right? But it's so expensive yeah. to stop it. Stopping production is something that. A lot of buyers sometimes think this should stop right away, but it, the economic implications of that are so heavy. The right approach to this usually is to have some kind of escalation system. And, but uh, that escalation you, system you, must be immediate. Yeah, you, you need to contain, okay. that's for sure. Yeah. You need yeah. to contain if, immediately. If the, if the answer is, well, I don't know, I'm just a worker, then you know you've got problems. So the worker might say, I put it no, in the red box, so it's visible then, or something like that. That's right? visible. Okay, yeah. But if the answer is, I have nothing, I just screw this together. Yeah. It's, it's not my fault. It's the guy before me, so I don't do anything. Well, that is a big problem. Yeah. Okay. Now, <laughs> now I, when you think about it, one of the requirements of 9001, let's talk about just 9001, is this this concept of of joint accountability on quality and it doesn't say that the boss is accountable for quality does it everybody in the organization must know his uh, his effect on quality or isn't yeah, her their the role right right yeah right right yeah and if they're paid by piece which is actually still quite common in certain industries you know garment furniture and so on in in, in china well why no would they Put the stuff aside. It's actually against their, their incentives to stop yeah. and, and fix and so on. They just want to, you know, uh, shove it under the carpet. You know, oh, if nobody notices, then it's fine, right? It's fine, yeah. <laughs> and then you have inspectors are really policemen trying to detect it and having to to fight to fight because they are reducing people's salary. It's hitting people's pay. Now that's yeah. Yeah. that's really a terrible system. Doesn't, doesn't work. Oh, yeah. The concept of inspecting inequality doesn't work on so many levels. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I myself do not even cannot comprehend how people could think that that can work. And the, the same as end of line inspection. There's no point in having end of line inspection because the, because the errors already been made. Yeah. Again, if you only do that, of course, it's better to catch it there before you have done full payment to the supplier and before you get it in, in your warehouse and you disappoint your customers and so on, right? But 
it's a good learning for next time <laughs> you get to do things much earlier right it often comes down to this you failed your manufacturers system has failed and actually you have failed because you if you had picked the right supplier if you had communicated all the requirements if you had ensured that they followed the right verification validation uh, uh, gates if you have monitored that maybe the first out you know the prototypes are made the right way the first article is made the right way they have the capability they have the capacity usually you know production is going to be okay so if production is not okay actually as the buyer you have failed would you agree with that i would totally agree with that look at the debacle of the masks 2019-2021-22 god it seems to have gone on forever inexperienced buyers buying products which are supposed to meet medical needs by inexperienced manufacturers now who the hell's at fault <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody all right and you know you had a failure of leadership right to the very top okay and the problem was, when you think about it, if you remember, or if anybody's read the paper that which I wrote called Checkmate, we identified that the failure at this happened in 2016, when many governments failed to maintain their emergency stockpiles. Oh. Yes, yes, yes. There were a lot of debates about that in some countries, like, who's at fault? Who's at fault? Well... It's way too late to ask the questions. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You, you, you don't talk like ask the cost of insurance when your house is burning down, do you? Exactly. Exactly. So all comes down to prevention, risk thinking, and, and acting on, on, on these risks and communicating the right information and getting the right kind of the right amount of transparency from, from the supply chain, right? I guess that's um that's a fitting conclusion. These are the key uh the key topics for for successful quality management in China. Well, I just had yep. one word here, mm-hmm. if we may, Renault. Mm-hmm. Okay, check out ISO three seven three zero one two thousand twenty one. Go look at it. Yeah, and we covered it in podcast number one fifty three. Correct. All right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Clive, and thanks for the listeners. And send us some questions, by the way, if you if you have any um, any feedback on this and. Leave us a, a five-star review also in Apple Podcast or Stitcher or whatever app that you are using to listen to this podcast. Thank you, and you will hear from us next week as usual. All right. Thanks a lot, Clyde. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.